Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, Harder Way family. This is Scott. And this is Maddie. And I am so busy. So busy? I'm, what? <laughs> I'm, yeah, really. You know, that's that's a... I'm so busy is a declaration of your awesomeness and your worth in our culture. Oh, yeah. But in, in ministry, uh, in, in whether it's mission work or pastoring a church or just doing some kind of full-time ministry, you work for the creator of the universe directly. Like, who's your boss? God. Yahweh, <laughs> uh, El Shaddai, Elohim, <laughs> you're right? Jehovah Rapha. Wait, wait, who? God. That's my boss. And God doesn't sleep. He doesn't rest. I mean, he rested on the on the Sabbath, sixth, on the yeah. sixth day, or on the seventh day of, after creation. But but he doesn't really. If, he doesn't need to. He did that as a model for us, as right? A model. <laughs> right. God doesn't need to rest. Right. And so it can be really easy to lose track of what's important. And I think I had a conversation with 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 my I would say my spiritual father yesterday and he reminded me that I've lost track of something important. And so I I want to sh- I want to talk about it a little bit. I want to share it with you. It's a, it's a constant struggle of mine. And maybe it's a struggle for other people as well, but it's the idea that I get so focused on my work for God that I forget that God's work in me is much more important. So basically, you're concerned with serving other people, serving the Lord, doing what it is that the Lord wants you to do, and you've lost the concern for becoming the person that God wants you to be. Yeah, yeah, but I think if I'm if I'm really honest, and I think that those concerns, I I and and, and maybe this strikes home with somebody. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. I think that I couch, I, I, I shroud my internal desire for significance, for authority, for, mm-hmm. for a good reputation, and I wrap that up in service. Okay. And, and I'm serving the Lord, and I'm serving Him faithfully, but I forget that it's more important that I'm relating to the Lord faithfully. And that it's the stuff that happens in the in the hidden place. It's the stuff that happens in the prayer closet. It's the stuff that happens in the little intimate conversations between me and, and my Heavenly Father that is really what matters more than the sermons and the mission trips and the or mission missions and the and the and the hard work and the writing and the creating and the developing and the, and all of the in the meeting with people and developing relationships, all that. None of that is 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 of important or of worth unless it's God ordained and God directed. So are you saying that although obviously for most people, most people who are following the Lord, they're they're doing things with the best of intentions and with the intention of wanting to do what God wants them to do, wanting to serve him, wanting to serve others, but that there might be a small part of them and you're saying there is a part of you that's also doing those things 
to basically gain a good reputation, credibility, authority to where you're you're serving God and you're you're doing it for him, but you're also kind of hoping that it changes the way other people look at you as well. Yeah, when you say it back to me, it it's prob it's it's probably some degree, I think, if I I think, and that's a real deep di- dive on myself, saying, yeah, I think there's some desire for being a pastor or a person or a missionary of good reputation, mm-hmm. right? And we want to have a good reputation, but the Lord really was a person, as far as men go, of no reputation. Right. And that's our example. And so I really need to be contented with being be a man of no reputation. In fact, if I want to survive in a environment of persecution and relig- religious restriction and persecution, if I want to survive, I have to be contented with being a man of no reputation because th- the, especially uh, communist or Marxist-style governments, they go out of their way to emasculate the men to make them to make them weak and feel powerless so that they can do nothing. And so in that negative thing that's forced upon them they actually wind up creating stronger Christians because those guys are and gals are forced to lean on the Lord. Right. So reputation yeah is, is it's an important thing and I think it's I know in my mind that rep, that it's Jesus's reputation through me that matters. Yeah. Not Scott's reputation. It's Jesus through me. Because if you think about David, King David, you know, David was far from perfect. Definitely far from perfect. (laughs) But he was a man after God's own heart. And so he was like, I'm, you know, I'm doing God's mission. I'm being who God called me to be. I'm accomplishing the Lord's will as the Lord leads and directs me. And also when I get off path and I'm willing to change and I, the Lord comes to me and approaches me and tells me you're off path and I realize what a big deal it is and I change. Hmm. So I think I maybe I'm having a small version of a of a of a, a moment like that where I'm remembering, oh yeah, it's God's work in me that matters way more than my work for him. And you said something interesting. You said it matters more less about your reputation and more about Jesus' reputation. Would you say then our goal should be that when we're going about our life and doing things, we shouldn't be thinking about what is this going to make people think about me, but instead, what is this going to make people think about Jesus? Boom. Yeah. I mean, think how that would, okay, let's say you're on Twitter. I feel weird saying you're on X because my generation, you say you're on X, that means you're on ecstasy and you're, take, you're taking a drug. And let's be real. I really don't think anybody calls, it, calls X. it X. The only people I ever hear saying that are people who are doing some sort of official reporting where you kind of have right. to use official names. Okay. But I, I never hear people in real life saying X. But I see so many people on there who say they're Christians. You'll have one guy. There's a guy. His name is Jesus Freak. Great name. And he says, why are all you people arguing so much about stuff? We're all Christians. We need to be united and we need to be, you know, saving, let's let's save the lost and let's worry about fighting later. I'm like, amen, brother. But you see other people and they'll have things that they, they'll, they'll say, you know, Mary reformed and they put, they don't even put Christian, they put reformed or they put Calvinist and or they'll put. And I haven't seen Armenian in the in the in anybody's name. But my point being, 
that they are they are the argument before they are the Christian. And they're more concerned about their argument and having everything locked down and being perfect than they are about being perfect in Christ. Interesting. Right? And I think it's a it's a tendency of humankind, and I'm part of humankind, so are you. So we, we all we're are. all kind of probably everybody listening, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna guess soon. is part of humankind. And so we all have similar struggles. We have blind spots. And we all have struggles with trying to find significance for ourselves, but the greater struggle is to realize that Jesus needs to be the significant one. You know, John the Baptist said it when John had this really powerful Powerful ministry. ministry. Yeah, right? Well, do you tell us what happened? Well, he said, in referring to Jesus, he must become greater, I must become less. Because John the Baptist had this ministry where he was essentially— his his role, if we can look at it from the outside, was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But up until that point, the people that were there didn't necessarily know that that's exactly what was happening. And they were just seeing this man who was calling for revival and holiness and mm-hmm. was baptizing. And they were following the ministry of John the Baptist and following him as really, you know, you could say teacher, prophet, whatever. And when Jesus came and when when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and we see that as it really becoming known to John the Baptist at that moment that that Jesus, his cousin, was the Messiah. That's an interesting thing because we don't know really if he knew or didn't know and how that all worked, but it seems that maybe that was when he realized. But when that happened, he said, he, Jesus, must become greater, I John the Baptist must become less. Right, cuz folks are they were coming to him and they were saying, "Wait a minute, man, this this Jesus guy is diminishing your ministry. He's taking over. He's like he's becoming the the significant one and you're becoming insignificant." He John the Baptist says that's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's the whole point. Right. So that's when scripture tells us we are daily being conformed to the likeness of Christ. That's what's supposed to be happening. He's supposed to be the significant one. We're supposed to be coming less significant, him more yeah. significant, right? So that people see Christ when they see us, they don't just see us. So what is, I think, Philippians 2.13. 13. Well, Philippians 2.13 says that it's God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I think that's really interesting because you mentioned you know, being conformed to the likeness of Christ, you mentioned the importance of God's work in us as opposed to the work that God has for us to do. Mm-hmm. Because we know also, you know, in Ephesians 2.10, we're told specifically there are things that God wants us to do. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. So we know we are called to good works. We know that there are specific things that we're called to do. But I think really it seems that the the point that you're trying to get at here is that it's much more important to to focus our attention on being the person who God wants us to be as opposed to doing the things that God wants us to do. Well, let me let me tighten that up a little bit. I I yeah, but let's let's rephrase that a little bit. It's important that we recognize that in our doing that our doing is not for us to determine what our good works are. Okay. Our doing needs to be in response to the Lord leading. Hmm. 
And so, you know, Scripture says a, a man makes his plans, but the Lord, Lord directs his, his steps. Directs his steps. And so, we need to be dependent upon the Lord and let Him direct our steps. And we need to recognize that when we go forward, maybe we have some good ministry idea or some good way to serve people or something, and it, it just blows up in our face. Yeah. Or it doesn't happen, right? And you're just sure I'm supposed to do this, but it's, it, it's not happening. We have to know that God is sovereign. And he ordains our steps. And I think one of the challenges that I that I face, or and I think all humans face this, all Christians face this, and that is that when we are in a worshipful state where we're elevating the Lord in our mind and in our heart and we're worshiping him, he gets we perceive him as bigger and bigger. Okay. And the more control we take and the more leadership we take, he becomes smaller and smaller in our eyes. Hmm. And a little tiny God can't do much. That's true. So it's like, well, the you know, it was like the Lord showed me some things that were going to happen with our church when we were ministering there. I, I felt like he showed them to me, and I set about to make them happen. I can tell you that every single thing, well, every one of the things the Lord showed me happened, and every one of them, I mean, every single one, and they all happened in the time frame the Lord showed me. And I did not control any of it intentionally. I controlled all of it unintentionally. None of it intentionally. It all happened, and none of it looked exactly like I thought it was going to look. Hmm. Yeah, it was. That's interesting. So it's like, it's like we've really got to let the Lord ordain our steps, and we have to have peace with the yeses and the nos, peace with the smooth roads and the hard roads. And we have to really recognize, most importantly, that like you said, in Ephesians chapter 2 and Philippians 2.13, God has a plan for our lives. Yeah. And God has works for us to do. And he's not always going to tell us in advance unless he wants us to know, hey, by the way, I want you to know I did this. Right, right, right. Right. So what is our role in, in God's plan? You know, if you think about it, there's a difference between human effort and between divine intervention. And we need to recognize that we want to be always sensitive to and following the Lord's divine intervention. These, this leads to spiritual growth. If we're just doing things in human effort, it also leads to spiritual growth, but it's usually in the wrong direction. Oh. Because people who force growth on themselves actually wind up becoming very legalistic and rigid and hard. And that's one of the challenges with living the harder way. Because in a way, we're not forcing growth on ourselves, but it's really easy to slip into that stat status. Mm. We're always trying it's to choose the harder to, way. To maybe become legalistic because you're so concerned about, am I choosing the harder way? Am I choosing the way of faith? You can end up becoming kind of legalistic or becoming judgmental, judgmental of other people who aren't living that way, or even getting to a point where you're almost kind of going around punishing yourself instead of saying, you know, what's the harder way? You're almost thinking, how can I make my life the most miserable? How can I suffer the most right. so that I can be the most like Jesus? And we know that that's not what our lives should look like. And that's not the way right. that God wants us well, to I mean, there might work. be, there might be suffering in God's plan for you, but if there's suffering in God's plan for you, that's because Jesus suffered. So you're be you're you're having an experience like Jesus, and the the goal I think in that is for you to suffer like Jesus did, rather than 
Than not to, to just like, suffer for the sake of suffering. No, there's no, let me just see how miserable I can be. How make how how miserable can I make myself? Yeah, and I think there's it's, really no glory for God in that. And that can really be seen as a work for the Lord too. Uh, that asceticism, you mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. right? That living that Spartan almost life that you're because you're you, because you feel like that makes you more holy. Now maybe things are around you. Uh, for me, sometimes clutter makes it hard for me to be more spiritual because I'm focused on the clutter, but I do like beautiful things and beauty helps me feel more of the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But if I just decide, no, I'm going to be completely ascetic and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do the work that I think, which is, this is how I'm going to make myself holy Mm -hmm. as an offering to the Lord. So it's kind of like where people can try to make themselves into something or try to spiritually transform themselves instead of simply putting themselves in the position for God to work in and through them. Yes. You're you're sort of using your own will and your own strength mm-hmm. to try and become a different kind of person or do a certain thing or accomplish a certain goal instead of saying, okay, I'm going to allow God to transform me into the person he wants me to be. And as God is transforming me, I will walk as that new creation and walk into whatever it is that the Lord has for me to do. Right. Let him let him grow me uh, because that's the only growth that's permanent and changing. And it's really real. You know, it's like, I think we have to recognize that there's two wills. There's God's will and there's our will. Yeah. And then we really have to consciously choose to surrender our will to his will and recognize his sovereignty over all things and all situations. If you can do that, that's another key to really having a resilient faith that'll get you through restriction and persecution. The bigger your God is, the bigger your chance of surviving is because and, and so the so the more his will is and the less your will is, the better things are going to be. Because, you know, Scripture tells us that we should endure hardship as discipline. Because if if we weren't disciplined and and didn't have hardships, it would be a sign that our Father didn't love us because He's not disciplining us. Well, the only way that grows me, the hardship grows me, is not by me saying, well, I got this hardship, and now I'm going to put my plan together, and I'm going to make it better. The hardship grows me by saying, well, I'm going to thank the Lord for this, and I'm going to surrender and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to recognize that it's more important what he's doing in me in this moment than what I can do right now. Yeah. And then I make my, so maybe I do make a plan with that mindset and say, well, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the Lord just blocks me. Okay, Lord. Well, that's not the right way to go. You want me to stand still? You want me to move? What do you want me to do? And then I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and move, Lord. I haven't heard anything from you. So I'm going to go ahead and move. And then the Lord says, oh, that's the right direction. Or he blocks mm-hmm. you again. You know, but it's what is the Lord doing in me? And sometimes scripture tells scripture tells us be still and know that I am God. And sometimes that's what he wants us to do is just be still. And not get caught up in the doing or the busyness or yeah, seven steps. Anything like seven that. steps to be a better whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's there are a lot of pitfalls that come with my will being the will that I follow and and, and the sense of self-reliance. Because I'll take, let's take the example of Bible delivery, Bible, taking Bibles into the persecuted church. And we use the word couriers because we're not trying to hide them. 
would just as opposed to God. smuggling. Right. You sm when you smuggle, you're hiding. Mm -hmm. Smaller God. That's there's a, there's a work on my end on that. When you just when, I need to do the best job I can of hiding these right. so that I can make sure they get through. Right. So when you do courier work, you just put them in the suitcase and you're like, when well, we you load it up and you say, okay, go. God, it's on you, Lord. <laughs> it's on you. You stop me. You let me go. It's on you. And that's where you really see miracles and you see the hand of God. So the pitfall of self-reliance in Bible courier work is that if you choose to make it a smuggling operation instead of a courier operation, that's self-reliance. And that is, even when you get through, you might see the hand of God in some small way, but you're missing the big way, the big things that God has for you. And you may have a sense of accomplishment I was so sneaky. I was so clever. I was so lucky. Instead of thinking, wow, look what God did. It's a whole different deal when you're walking through an x-ray machine in in, Guang, or in uh, Shenzhen, China, and they're looking at your Bibles, and you see the guy flies going by the guy's head, and he's trying to swat those away, and he's completely distracted from the x-ray machine where you can see mm -hmm. the Chinese characters for Holy Bible on the screen, right, from your Bibles. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's all God. I did nothing. That's all God. And so I think that the the pitfalls of self-reliance, I think I've kind of fallen into a little bit of that with my thoughts, though, about even Bible courier work, because we have to always have the mindset that God doesn't need you to accomplish his mission. Right. Right? The, the missio dei, as it's called theologically, the mission, mission of, God. of God. He doesn't need you. He chooses to use you for your good and for his glory. Because we know that God can do anything that he wants to do. He's more than capable of doing anything and everything. So anything that God asks you to do, he doesn't actually need you to do it. Because in the most basic sense, he can ask somebody else to do it. And in an even more basic sense, he doesn't need anyone to do it. He can just do it himself, right? right? But the way that God works and his desire is to be in relationship and be on mission with us. That's really his goal. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't want to say, oh, God doesn't need us. So just sit around and do nothing. Right. Right. Because we know that that's not God's best for us. But when we are on mission with the Lord, you know, doing things that we believe that he's called us to do moving forward in our faith, we do those things with the understanding Number one, this is a privilege. This is something I should be thankful for. And number two, I'm not ultimately responsible for these outcomes. God is. I don't need to be seeking to control anything. And what God is doing in me through the process of me doing whatever this thing is, is even more important than that thing getting accomplished because God will accomplish that in his timing. Right. That may be, you know, different than ours. And so we should be more concerned about what's God doing in us as individuals, because that's, you know, we don't want to say what we have control over because we don't have control over it. But that is something that as people, our focus should be in that direction, I guess I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it's, and that's something that goes against our nature, our fallen nature. So we have to continually remind ourselves, 
what is the, you know, I need to be on God's plan, not my plan. What is the Lord doing? The Lord could do this without me. He doesn't need me to get his job done. He chooses to involve me. So if something happens and I can't do whatever X is, it's okay. Or even, you know, I, I, I love the idea of, of stewardship, stewarding your life and recognizing the fact that God gave us a day in which to work. And you know me, you know me, sometimes I'll, I'll only, I'll maybe work a couple hours in a day. Another day I'll work 18 hours. Yeah. And I, yeah. Right. And I just kind of tend to work that way. But a lot of times what drives me is that sense of, I haven't done enough. Mm. I haven't done enough work. I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't performed enough for God. Well, that's not God doing that. God gave me sun up to sundown at the most. It really gave me, and we, we kind of have a work day, and I would say our work day is probably a little short in our culture, but let's say a 10-hour work day, you know. He gave me that time to work in, and when I when I keep working past that, what I'm saying is I'm in charge. I make the rules. I have a better way. I have a better plan. And God's like, son, I gave you life. I, you know, I gave you time, and I want you to have – enjoy your family. I want you to have a meal with your family. I want you to shepherd your family. You can't just be off, you know. Trying to do so much ministry stuff that you don't prioritize your relationship with God, your relationship with other people. Right. Because the best me is the me that's the most intimate with Jesus. Yes, the, that's true for all of us. Right. And the best me is the me that's on, the, the most productive me is the me that's on his plan. You know, mm-hmm. we. I have a friend who's got a book coming out and they worked on a book for years and then nothing with not, not making any progress on it. And then a friend of a friend said, Hey, why don't you write a book about this? And got her connected to like top tier publishing company and all that stuff. And so she's not even using a, most people use like some kind of a, a manager or somebody to, to take none of that. Literary agent. Literary yeah. agent. Yes. An agent. That's what I was looking for. None of that. Just the door opened and. And it's all, it's working beautifully. She didn't really do anything except she did just did what she wanted to do. And then this thing just came. Yeah. And some people put in the grind to get where they're trying to go. And that's definitely a way to do it in the flesh. But in the kingdom, I don't think there's any glory for God in that. There's only glory for me. Look what I accomplished. Look how hard I worked. Right. Look what I made happen. You know, I had a pastor say to me one time, when I'm old man, I want to look back and see and see great things that were accomplished in my life, and know I couldn't have done any of that. Only God could do that. Wow. Like, I think we should all have that goal, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So the question really comes down to in this busyness idea is: is am I busy because the Lord has me busy in this season, or am I busy because I'm making myself busy? Am I busy because I'm on God's plan, or am I busy because I'm on Scott's plan? I think that's a good question because personally, I don't believe that if you're on God's plan and God's timetable, that he's going to have you in a space where you are insanely busy just indefinitely because that's not the way that God works. And we know that God very clearly throughout scripture, throughout history, it's very clear to see that God works in seasons. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that God just is wanting you to run yourself ragged for years and years and years with no end in sight, if somebody was telling me that, I I personally would probably push against that and say, 
you might want to pray about that because I I don't think that that is what God is calling you to do. But yeah, but but if he but if he does for a season, exactly for a season, right? You know, then you're then you're then you can say, well, I I'll do this, but I can only do it in the Lord's strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what do you think are some of the things that I could do or that a person could do to cultivate? A heart that's spiritually responsive to the Lord's leading so that they stay on God's plan and don't wind up on their own plan. Well, I think the biggest thing is in order to be able to hear and move upon God's leading in your life, you have to have a strong relationship with him. You're not going to know his voice or listen to his voice if you're not in that kind of a place with him where you're solid in your relationship. And so then the question becomes, how do you get to that place where you have that solid relationship with him? And I think, you know, number one, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, we have to be in the word if we want to know who God is, if we want to understand his character, if we want to understand his purpose for, you know, for us, for his people, we have to be rooted in the word. If we want to be connected with him, we have to be connecting with him through prayer, through worship, through thanksgiving. We need to be keeping that line of communication with him open. And I think that's the biggest thing is getting that input from the word and keeping that line of communication open through whether it's you know, singing prayers, right? Like through worship music or things like that, or just praying and talking with him or, you know, praising him and saying to him that, you know, what we're thankful for, all all of that. I think that's really what's going to help us get into a more intimate place in our relationship with God and allow us to be able to be sensitive to his leading. Because you can do all the church stuff and do all of the serving and all of the things, but if you're not prioritizing your personal relationship with him, you're not going to be able to hear or discern his voice or his leading in your life. And I th- that's good. And I think, and so you're basically saying abide in Christ. Yes. <laughs> He's the vine. Up. Yeah. That's the main point. <laughs> but you know, I would add one more thing, and that's the importance of community. And I would say there's two kinds of community that I would, three kinds of community that I would say are important. The first one is abiding in Christ. So you're part of the perichoresis as a, as an adjunct, right? There's the divine dance, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're kind of brought in adjacent to that. So you're part of that community, community with God. And then there's community with the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's also a kind of community with Jesus. And you really need to be in a church. And you need to be in maybe some kind of a, a fellowship group or something, or just around other Christians, believing Christians, yeah. having people who will form your your community that are believing Christians. And I think you need at least one person, preferably multiple people, who are way down the road from you spiritually, who can and who connect with you and and who can speak into your life in a way that you are can listen to them and respond to that. That's good. You need you you really really need that if you're going to have a, res- a spiritual responsive heart. You know it's kind of like with with a child, right? Mom the mom might be saying, "Billy, Billy, Billy clean up your room. Billy clean up your room." And he's just kind of like not listening. He's watching in cartoons in one ear out the other. Then she says, "Billy Ray Jones." Billy Ray Billy pipes up, <laughs> clean up your room. Yes, ma'am. And he runs in and cleans up his room. Yeah. Well, we need people in our life that can call you out 
you know, Billy Ray Jones, call you out with your first, middle, and last name and mm-hmm. get your attention in that way. Someone that's going to get your attention that can speak into your life and get a little personal and and make you uncomfortable and make you, you know, give you an alternate perspective that you value. There's people that I speak into their life. I always tell somebody, if, if I can't speak into your life and and it actually impacts you or makes you pause and reflect and at least heavily weigh what I'm saying, then I'm not your pastor. Right. Right. And then you're just kind of wasting your breath at that point. Right. Kind of the whole pearls before swine thing. Yes. If, you know, yeah. if, pe- if people don't actually care about the wisdom that you have to share and don't, you know, maybe respect your opinion on things, mm-hmm. then it doesn't, you know, why, why, why speak into their life if they don't really want to listen to you? <laughs> right. And sometimes, you know, you have to hear hard things that hurt your feelings. Yeah. And then that's the test. Is it a real relationship or not? If it's a real relationship, you might be mad for a minute, but you get over it you and you move, move forward. On. You recognize the wisdom in it. Or at least if if you still disagree with the wisdom, you can at least recommend the, recognize the heart in it. That this yes. person loves you enough to tell you what they believe to be is the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that's a rare and precious gift in this world. It really is. But that's why scripture says it's better the blows of a friend than the kisses, kisses of, of an, an enemy. enemy. Right. So I I covet those I don't covet I value highly those kinds of interactions. So I think that the, the, to wrap this up, what I really would like to make the kind of the final thought thought on is this: It's easy to get busy. It's easy to become more to to it sneaks in so subtly, but to start becoming more and more concerned with doing for God, and less concerned about or less aware of what God is doing in me, and. When you do get to a point where you realize, man, I'm working so hard for God and I, I'm not even having any kind of relationship with the Lord or very little, yeah. or I've, or I've just for, I'm just not really paying attention to what he's doing in me is what I'm doing rising to the level of what he wants me to do. Or is this just my busy work that I'm making for myself? I mean, they can be really great busy right. work. Yeah. You know, you could be like N.T. Wright cranking out a book every month. You know, he, the N.T. Wright is an author theologian. He's cranking out. It seems like he cranks out a new book every month. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not besmirching him because I think, you know, he's got some great things to say and he's made a lot of personal sacrifices to dedicate himself to that kind of work for a lifetime. But it's simply to say, if you're trying to be like him and God hasn't called you to be like him. Then you're just doing all of that in your own strength yeah. and you're not going to be in that close place with God because you're going to have to be really in yourself and in your own strength in order to accomplish those things. And, I, and what's going to happen if you're trying to operate in your own strength? Besides becoming legalistic or judgmental. Ultimately, you're going to fail. Yeah, you're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. You're going to get exhausted. And then you're going to do nothing and be no good to anybody. And then you're going to have time with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's when you have the come to Jesus moment. From your sanitarium. <laughs> so, all right, well. God bless you guys. Bless you guys. Thanks for being with us this week. And take some time to just pause and reflect and see what is God doing in my life, and uh, what am I doing that I don't need to be doing? Where am I? Where am I just just uh, treading water and not getting anywhere? Where am I building my own busyness and not uh, being about the Master's business? Even Jesus said in the temple when he was still a boy, "I must be about my Father's, father's business. business." Let's be about Dad's business. And be concerned about what he's doing. And let's not get it twisted up and confuse that with what our plan, our agenda is, and what we're doing. 
Good plan. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.